was a lot of giggling outside like school school kids. <laughs> they are very much eager and looking forward to this indeed. Um, hi there, my name is Lena Sultana. I run a website called An Englishman in San Diego and the Convention Collective, which is basically all about Comic Cons, comics, and the stuff and nonsense we enjoy at events like this. Uh, the site has allowed me the opportunity to speak to some very cool and very interesting people, including this gentleman to my right. Ladies and gentlemen, can you please make some noise and welcome Mr. Chip Kidd. Cool and interesting. There you go, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the phrase I'm hanging on. All right. All right. I know we had the, um, uh, the talk with you um, earlier on in the weekend, which was more about um, process, and uh, it was, yeah, it was the, well, I want to kind of go a little bit more into a, a biographical thing and uh, talk about your um, history, about your mm -hmm. development of your process and your own uh, take on modern design as well with comics. Okay. And also I want to make this very much an open forum as well, so if you do have any questions, by all means, Throw a paper darts, attract my attention, and we'll. Uh, yeah, ten points for the eye, um, and it's five pen, five points for everything else. Um, I think we'll go. Yeah, we'll go all the way back. We'll go for the uh, the classic old question. Um, how did you get into your design? Is it a, a classic, um, a classic schooling, or what was your? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a sort of pleasantly uninteresting story. <laughs> um, I was. I mean, in terms of comics, I was um, uh, loved them since I was a kid. I was born in 1964. The Batman TV show started two years later in 1966, and I got totally hooked on that. Um, and and the, the, and the thing about comics when you're okay two years old is that okay you can't read yet, but you can see. It's a visual way of, of reading. Sure. And even though the, the, the lettering doesn't mean anything to you, the pictures do. And that kind of got me sort of hooked into it. And, um, but, I mean, the thing was, um, growing up, I was drawing all the time, but I wasn't drawing very well. And <laughs> I actually came to sort of thoroughly understand that. <laughs> and so um, by the time I went to college, uh, I decided to major in this thing called graphic design, uh, which I hadn't really heard of before. Um, I grew up in southeastern suburban Pennsylvania in a town called Reading, which was named after Reading, England. Um, looks like Reading. Uh, and uh, I went to the, the Pennsylvania State University, uh, which is a very good school. It was a very big school, but they had this graphic design program in it that um, admitted 20 people a year, which was really kind of odd in mm. a school that had 30,000 kids on campus. But you, you took your preliminary courses and then you submitted your portfolio and then you either got in or you didn't. And then, and then, you, then you kept going. But what I liked about graphic design was <laughs> you didn't really have to be able to draw. Uh, you just had to be able to come up with ideas about how words and pictures work together to solve a problem. And, and that, I, that's, that really, that's interesting because really, I was going to really say... Tell a narrative, but you say solve a problem. It was yes, I mean, and and one of the complaints I was getting after like a year from my instructors is like everything that you do looks like a comic book, and <laughs> <laughs> there's no future in that, and uh, 
you really need to be more serious. And I think in, in, some, in some ways, I understand that because there, as a teacher, it's like, okay, <clears throat> one of the, and there, there are very basic problems that we would get to solve in graphic design school, as in create a poster that either gets me to start doing something or stop doing something. Because that's, I think, for the greater good, that's what posters are supposed to do. Like if you walk outside here and you see a poster for something, it's, you know, it, it's to get you to go see a theatrical performance or to not litter hmm. or don't smoke here or, hey, eat here. So that, that made a lot of, of sense to me of, of creating a visual that will motivate you one way or the other. Okay. Was there any uh, names, any touchstones that kind of where it fired off that light bulb inside your head that you went, okay, this is someone, there's a, a voice here, there's somebody here that has done this and created a visual style and language for this design. Was there any names that kind of like first jumped out? Well, oh my God, there were yeah. very, very, very many. But I think what, you know, there... Here we are at a comic book festival. I was studying graphic design, and they're kind of two separate worlds. Yeah. So the the really the, the the names of the people who were still practicing at the time, and and some of them still are now, were people like Milton Glaser, uh, Seymour Quast. Um, Milton Glaser did the, I mean, many things, but did I Heart New York? Right. And that which has just been completely ripped off uh, <laughs> globally. And, and, the, 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 and I interviewed him about that for, for a magazine called The Believer. And um, that, he created that uh, for free for the tourism board of New York State in... <laughs> the uh, late 1970s because cause New York was really, really in trouble yeah. at that time. Um, uh, the city itself was filthy um, and run down and they they had to jumpstart a program to get people to come. And I remember being a kid in like ninth grade and seeing, I love New York. These, the, <laughs> these, cart, these commercials on TV and the I Heart New York graphic. Um, but I will also say I was in college in uh, from 1982 to 1986, and one of your countrymen who really completely changed my way of thinking about graphic design is a guy named Peter Saville, who was the art director for Factory Records. And what I loved about that was love the music, Joy Division sure. and New Order, out of Manchester love the music, love the graphics. And so I would go into, I would hear the music on the, on the campus radio station and then go into the little independent record store and it's like, here's this thing, here's with a leaf on it, period. That's it. Doesn't say who did the, who did the record, what it was, but it's beautiful. Then you pick it up, it's like, oh, it's True Faith by, by New Order. It's like, it's a leaf. The leaf fell off the tree. The leaf thought it was going to be there forever. It had true faith, 
it, but it fell off. And so, you know, okay. we're in art school. We're like, oh, that's so beautiful. So, 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 the, so, the, drug, so the drugs back then. Uh, How dare you? Um, are you still reading comics as well? Because, I mean, we were talking about this with a couple of panels I've done today. There's almost that traditional... Um, line of people that you get into comics as a kid you fall off it a little bit as they you grow out of comics and then you come back to comics was that your kind of uh, journey as well or do were you always still sort of but I I I, I straddled for quite some time I, I uh, professionally I consider and as a fan I consider myself a kind of ambassador between like the mainstream stuff and the indie stuff. Okay. So when I was in college, I started reading um, an independent uh, anthology tabloid called Raw, which okay. was turned out was edited by a guy named Art Spiegelman and his wife, Francoise Mouly. And they were serializing uh, a story called Mouse by, by Mr. Spiegelman, mm -hmm. which was uh, an allegory of, of, of the Holocaust in which the Jews were mice and the and the Nazis were cats mm -hmm. and but it what what it really was was a memoir of his father's time surviving a, a concentration camp so that was a kind of awakening for me in in college in terms of comics but at the same time Frank Miller was doing Daredevil with David Mazzucchelli which i was equally affected by and and I'm, you know, a good story is a good story. Well told, well drawn. Mm -hmm. It can be Daredevil or it can be the, the, the Jews as mice being yeah. persecuted in, in, in Nazi Germany. So that was a great education for me. And I'm not answering your question in any way. <laughs> uh, but yes. But nicely I mean, danced around. But I think... I, you know, at, at the risk of, of, of a blanket statement, good comics are good comics. Mm -hmm. And I think whether that's Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely or Jimmy Corrigan by Chris Ware, um, to me, it's, they're all, they're all on, on, on the same level. And I do try to keep up with, with what's going on, whether it's in the, the mainstream comics world. <laughs> and then I, I publish indie comics I published Chris Ware and yep. got a big new book coming out this fall called Rusty Brown which is amazing um, so yeah I mean I, I you know I do try to keep on top of what's going on um, I published a, a big book of um, Marvel comics art by Alex Ross last fall called Marvelocity which my heart and soul was completely in and it was a companion volume to a book called Mythology that we had done before that, 13 years before that, of mm -hmm. his DC Comics stuff. And he's incredibly talented. And, and yeah, I, 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 I do try to, to stay aware of sure. what's going on, regardless of, of who's publishing. Um, back then was what, uh, I mean, because we were talking about some um, influences in graphic design, which kind of, which comics were attracting your attention in terms of, of design. graphic design well um, these are cliche answers but but it, it's true what um, the watchmen design was truly revolutionary both in terms of what I call 
separation of type and state. So um, you had your typography living where it was living, and oh, it was on its side. It's mm. like, because, you know. I find it interesting with that one that it was actually the, the graphic design of that book was done by the, its own artist. It wasn't done by anyone in studio or in publisher. Yeah. It was actually done by right. Dave, Dave, Dave Gibbons. Yeah. Um, so it ties it, it all together. It, it's well, it ties a, it all together, and it's very smart, and it holds up. But the real. Obviously, the real revelation of that design was that the cover was panel one. Uh, do you think that was huge. was that missing from Doomsday Clock? Do you think? Because I, I personally feel I tried reading Doomsday Clock and gave up on issue I, two. Sat in it, I picked it up on the way here. I have yet to read the last issue. I've yet. To, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, I mean, well, how that's much of that do we me. want to go into? But I think um, no, the Watchmen thing was. That was revolutionary. That was what, 1986, mm -hmm. right? And um, it was like your, and I was, by that, by that time, no, that's actually when I first got my job designing book covers, okay. but the idea of a, of a cover, whether it's of a cover of a book or a cover of a comic book, you are drawing the reader in with that image right away. Yeah. Um, not that they weren't doing that in comic books before, but in terms of drawing you in, but in terms of like, this is the first panel of the story. Mm -hmm. That was, that was a revelation. That was amazing. And then, and then the other was, um, the, the, the Dark Knight Returns covers, um, because I was hugely anticipating, as a fan, I was hugely anticipating that, that series sure but back then they we still had no idea what the first cover of the first issue was going to look like and i remember at the time i was in philadelphia at a comic book shop and i remember thinking oh i think it's going to come out this week and i was looking for it and i see this thing and i'm like well that can't be it because it doesn't look like a comic book mm. it, it looks like i don't know what and then it's like, oh no, that's it, that's it. And I mean, I think also with Dark Knight, I think the the, the fact that it was part of uh, the continuing run of the, the book. Uh, no, I'm thinking of uh, Year One now, aren't I? <laughs> Sorry, I've completely uh, messed that up. But that wasn't either. But yeah, yeah, it was part of the um, uh, continuing uh, Batman four for four. So to actually to no, see just yeah. To see a comic then kind of, like you say, and there's a, uh, you feel there's a seismic shift in what is being done with the design of a book to, to grab your attention and with yeah. Dark Knight. Yeah, because they were doing, the, the typography was just typography. Sure. It wasn't trying to be stylized in any way. Um, it was like unstylized. Okay. I hate to throw anyone under a bus and you don't have to mention any names, but has there been any moments in comics where you've just felt the design has failed. I mean, in, in terms of... <laughs> no, just how much time do you have? Okay, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, off we go. Yeah, yeah. Off no, go. I mean, it's not worth... It's no? not worth... No, I mean... No, it's... Uh, I, you, you... Seriously, you'd have to say, okay, give me a specific example. Is this working or not? Right. You know, it's... But I think um, whenever DC has hired me to 
like way back when, like in 2000, 20 years ago, they hired me to do re redo the what we call the trade dress for all the Batman titles. And, and I went to this concept of like, well, it's really just typesetting and it, it's bold and striking, but it's just going to live up here and then the image is going to take Eat over. It, take, yeah. the, the, as we would say, the image literally is the hero. Mm. Like the, you're, you're, and that lasted for maybe two years. And then they, and they evolve, they're evolving all the time. Um, but I wasn't, a, a, and I did this sort of like bat logo thing that I thought, it was like the, the top half of the mask. Mm. Like that kind of lives by itself. That's this sort of like symbol. If you know, you want to put it on a t-shirt or make an enamel pin or, you know, give me residuals, that's fine. <laughs> but, but I, and, and going way back to like Action Comics number one and Detective Comics number one, those were stylized logos, but they were separate. They were separated from the art. Mm -hmm. And I, that was the main thing that I thought was important. Uh, that was actually going to lead on to my next question. With the um, creating of a brand for a character, creating a, a stylized logo, and having something sit at the top third or wherever it's going to sit and creating a uniformity for that particular title. Mm -hmm. But then the, co the covers that have the most longevity and the ones that grab people's attention is when the artist plays with that, um, that logo and plays with design and moves the logo around. Um, which, do you, do you prefer the uniformity or do you prefer um, somewhere where the artist really gets in and starts dicking well, around? Like, well, again, I mean, the, you'd have to look at individual examples. Yeah. But what always fascinated me as a kid is that, and forward as a designer, the Superman logo is a Superman logo. Yeah. Like you know, there's there there are variations of it through the years, but basically it's the same. It's it's that you know woo and and there's a three dimensionality to it. Whereas Batman has had forty two logos, yeah. and some of them are really cool, and some of them are not. Do you have a preference? Because then the, the next question was, do you have a favorite um, DC bullet? <laughs> you know, the the actual DC logo. Do you have a favorite? Well, I guess because Milton, you know, Milton metal one. I quite like it. I'm one of the few that actually do. Wait, see, I know. Wait, the where it's the sea is peeling back. I actually sort of like that too. Yes. And it was created. It was created by this outfit in California called Landor Associates, which is the most corporate, godless, soulless. Horrible, horrible. Let me just put that over. Yeah. <laughs> Landor. <laughs> Freelance hire me, Landor. Um, um, but I sort of liked it too, but I'm sentimental about it because when I published a Batman graphic novel called Death by Design, they had just adopted that, and that's the one that's on it. So it's like, hmm. But I, there's a concept there, and it's not bad looking, and it's, you know, it's it's sequential and the C's peeling off of the D and it's like we're going from one page to the other. It's like mm, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of argue with that. Sentimentally, speaking of Milton Glaser, did we realize that he did the you know the mm -hmm. classic one with the four starred? So same guy. Um, yeah, I and and I personally know the woman who designed the one that they're using now. Okay. Um, uh, Emily, um, 
from Pentagram. Um, God. I think, but I think it's 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 we good. We will edit that in. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's good. Like the, she, there was a conscious decision about everything that she did sure. to make that. Okay, I think it's good. Right. Uh, I mean, I do want to open up to questions as well because there's something I'm going to frame the conversation with in a second. But if there's anyone wants to jump in with any questions, go for it, Mr. Meadows. Um, you wrote you talked about the Batman graphic novel you mentioned before, the one drawn by Dave Taylor, and I was wondering. I know you've written another comic project, but what was the genesis of that and the genesis, uh, the genesis of it was, I was asked to interview, um, there's this thing in New York called the 92nd Street Y, which is this fantastic cultural arts forum, um, which everybody has been, a, a, if you, it's, it's very, very well respected. It has nothing to do with comics, but they asked me to interview Neil Gaiman on stage for like the 25th anniversary of Sin okay. which was really fun and it's on YouTube if you want to watch it but we spent half the time geeking out about Batman on stage <laughs> with thousands of people and afterwards we went backstage and Dan DiDio the head of DC says to me Hey, I didn't know you were such a Batman fan. <laughs> that was like, pitch perfect. Duh. <laughs> duh. I'm like, well, yeah, I sort of am. He's like, yeah, you should do a Batman story for us. <laughs> I'm like, oh, don't say that unless you really mean it, unless you really want me to do it. He's like, yeah, yeah, just follow up. Follow up. Give us a pitch. And it was interesting because as a lifelong fan, I also had no great aching Batman story that I was dying to tell. So now, all of a sudden, now I have the opportunity to do that. It's like, okay, so come up with Deliver. something. Yeah. And so I, st I don't know. I, I approached it as a designer. Um, no one, to my knowledge, had written a Batman story that was called Death by Design. So it's like, okay, that seems to apply to what I do, and, and people will think I'll be able to pull that off. And then... Um, I was a huge fan of Fritz Lang and the movie of Metropolis, and I always thought as a kid, what if Fritz Lang made a Batman movie in 1937 with a big budget? What would that look like? And then um, in New York at the time, um, there were these giant, as there is in, all, in every great city that's constantly rebuilding itself, there were these huge building cranes, and all of a sudden they started falling and killing people and and it all came back to to city graft so it's like okay fritz lang metropolis movie 1937 cranes are falling we need to investigate because i was thinking of course as a fan like well if batman existed he'd be on this right away <laughs> <laughs> why are where, where these why are these where, cranes where else, falling where else is he going to throw the batarang from where is yeah. he going to swing from and then it be also it became about architecture um and as, as, a, as a person who's lived in New York for 30 years and, and having to go in and out of Penn Station all the time, it's, it's, it's so infuriating. Penn Station is the single busiest transit hub in the world. And it's the shittiest piece of crap that you've ever had to experience in your entire life. And it was glorious. It was this beautiful, giant, lovely, incredible 
McKean, uh, uh, the architects, I can't remember, the, the, the famous ones. Um, and it was like <laughs> 1908, and they leveled it all in 1962 before, while nobody was paying attention to build the horrible Madison Square Garden, and, and Penn Station is in the basement. So you're like in a basement waiting for your train and with fluorescent lighting and the ceiling's about that high. And almost as a joke, they have photos of the old Penn Station all around. <laughs> like, that, yeah, that could have been you if you were, you know, back in the 50s. But no, you're here now. Um, so it was also about, uh, about architecture and about how... Um, if you don't have a landmarks commission, and because nothing, none of this sounds like a Batman story at all, <laughs> but um, but the concept was okay. Like it's 1937, and Bruce Wayne's father had built this beautiful station, you know. But now it's falling apart, and they want to level it. And um, one of the things when Penn Station was originally demolished that did create the landmarks commission, and the next thing they were going to go after was Grand Central Station in New York, uh, and they really were. And, they, and so, uh, of all people, um, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis spearheaded the charge to save it, and she did. Uh, so then I created, a, a, I always, um, w I wanted to create a female, uh, not protagonist, but like somebody that, 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 that can, you know, stand up to Bruce Wayne and, and, and so she's trying to save this station, this, this woman I created, Cindy Asil. And, and it just went on from there. But um, Dave Taylor had drawn, the, he's a wonderful artist from Liverpool, and he had drawn a Robin origin that was written, I believe, by Denny O'Neill. That was, it was a reimagining of it, which is just brilliant, beautiful, and it's like 10 pages. And so, and I said to my editor at the time, Mark Chiarello, can we get this guy? And because we were talking, I mean, this would be like a two to three year commitment on this book. This, we're not talking the monthly comic. And, and he agreed to do it, so. Cool. Uh, you had a question from yourself, I believe? Was it um, I was gonna ask, um, when you're picking jobs, I presumably you're in a situation where you're a bit of luxury that you can, you get offered jobs rather than kind of chasing commissions and things. Yeah. What's your criteria for taking a job? What, what, what is it to, to interest you? Uh, I mean, this is going to sound, this is going to sound very Pollyanna, but um, if, it, if it's something that I love and something that I want to devote time to, um, I, do, I do have that luxury. I, um, I, my day job, as it were, is at Penguin Random House in New York. I will have been there 33 years in October. And I started a, pub, a comics publishing program there for Pantheon. We're doing the, the, the Chris Ware book in the fall. We did, but we did Alex Ross and Marvel last fall. Like I've seen in books. I, but, but on completely opposite ends of the spectrum. It's like if it's a mainstream cool thing, I want to do it. If it. But if it's not, if it's some other thing, and, and we published Marjan Satrapi, um, Persepolis and uh, 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 Charles Burns, Black Hole, and um, so I, you know, I, for the most part, I don't have to work on something that I'm not passionate about. Right. The, the life's too short. So. Just handy. 
which is where I'm going to bring this one on because this is where we, to frame the conversation. This is a book which we were talking about, or we, you were talking about Watchmen, mm -hmm. and this is clearly a labour of love. This mm -hmm. is a, I mean, this is a Pride of my collection. As you can tell, it's a little bit better around the edges because this is read quite regular. Where did this start in terms of um, coming to you to get this kind of project made? Well, the, um, Dave Gibbons, who's a wonderful guy, um, had uh, he had every piece of art that he used to create that except the original art, which you have to, I guess you have to be a comics geek to understand that, but a couple of people are nodding, so... Um, in other words, I, I it, in order pretty much selling them the moment they were done, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I get you know I get that. Uh, I can't imagine what that's like. It's like selling your kids, but um, <laughs> the pages, which I think we sold them all to Comic One Shop. Yeah, you did. Really? Yeah, it was one guy. A special price. It was one. It was one guy. Well, then you know more than I do because it, uh, it's it's heartbreaking. But he kept everything else. Yeah. Sketches. So this is all sketches. Preliminary stuff, color, color studies, um, and so he threw the publisher. This was Titan, and they came to me and said, "We want." He wants you to design this, and I How said, "Intimidated were you at that point?" I mean, because I was totally intimidated. About, I was totally intimidated, but I'll tell you what the problem was. I said, "Okay, I need you to ship all of the art." to me in New York, and then I'm gonna work with the photographer that I work on everything with, this guy named Jeff Spear. And if you look at any of the Peanuts books that we've done, or, or um, we're, gonna, we're gonna shoot everything so that, like it really looks like it's laying right there in front of you. And they said, no. <laughs> and so long story short, the, the, the um, the insurance bill at that point to send everything to New York was prohibitive to them. Okay. So they weren't willing to do it. And like, we've got our own photographer here. He'll shoot everything. Which is what happened. Um, and I think the book looks fine, but I felt like at a remove, that was the problem. Was like I want it, and I want this stuff in front of me, so I could because when you're like if again like if you're seeing, I did this Peanuts book called Only What's Necessary, where you know I'm granted access to the archive. I can sit there for a week, go through every piece of art by myself, and then mm -hmm. Jeff is there, like okay, we're gonna take a detail of this, and we're gonna go like super close in on this thing or that thing, and I wasn't really afforded that opportunity on this, and I don't know if. It's something that, but I'll show you. Yeah, I'll, yeah, but I'll and I mean, that's the as, as first pages go. That I mean, the, the, the okay, but Jesus. On the left, that should be much sharper. That should okay. be much sharper, much darker. You know, this is one of his. You know, mm, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> but there it is, and it. I suppose it works, but that's a, that's a sketch of the comedian that we should really be drawn into, and I don't think we are. But, you know, I could go through it page by page. Same, same, same thing. thing. Okay, same thing. but again, like, I don't want to, like, 
pee on whoever did this and say hi. <laughs> My heart was in this. I, right. How could it not be? How can it not be? And, and, and How long did I, it take to put together? About a year. Okay. And um, uh, how amenable was Dave to... Oh, he was, he was how, awesome. Yeah. He was awesome. It's just that we can't ship you the art. Wouldn't it have been a lot cheaper to fly out? I was thinking this. Cheaper to send the photographer over. Uh, apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think... I, you know, I can't remember whatever year this was, but we were... And again, like, I've got other stuff to do. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't spend a month and just go to England. And, but you, we'd have to, Jeff, we'd have to pay for the photographer too and a place for us to stay and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, come on, just like ship this stuff over here. We've done this before. It'll be fine. We're not going to steal it or harm it or anything. Um, so anyway. I, I'm very proud of it. I think it's a, I think it's a terrific account of, and I learned so much. I mean, I was a fan. Yeah. But what was the the biggest surprise? The, the biggest surprise, and you'll all kind of roll your eyes, I'm sure. But this, I mean, this kills me. Like I can't look at that. It's the, uh, it, it's, it's the sketch it's, of. Um, it's just it's Dr. so Manhattan. weak, and it, but it's such a great great image. But that drip shape, that is so preordained and specific. There's, yeah, there's a, a couple of pages where you, they talk about the... Okay, the, so, the, so the drip, right? Which we see on the, on the front. Well, yeah, and you see, see it everywhere. right away. It keeps popping up throughout the series in ways that I had not realized. Like when... The bomb goes off at the end, or when the people are embracing. Yeah. I think that's um, the great thing about this book is that it does go, it's not scattershot, it's chapter by chapter by chapter. Yeah, it's it, chapter it, that, by that, chapter. That, that, that narrative line throughout the book is. is I'm sorry, I'm looking for this example. But it, it, it's as a motif, it appears again and again, and I had I not. I passed it there. I think it was there. I hadn't. Tell what you. I'll look. You. <laughs> when the bomb goes off yeah. and the guy yeah, embraces someone. the kid, it's the drip shape, and and it's just like, oh my god. I mean, it's. And it gets there. Well, it gets there. It gets there. It gets there. And, and there's and there there's more. It it there it is. Uh, that when it, that yes, is brilliant. That, so, so there's just, the drip shape. There's the drip shape. But then it's on Ozymandias's window. You know, it's just like oh my god, the thought that went into that. That I just even as a fan, I hadn't seen until doing this book made it worth doing that book. Okay. Um, I think the other thing about this book, um, which. It is purely about the art. In that, I mean, at the end of the day, um, Alan is not going to return to what's Well, that was a whole other thing. Okay, well, no, let's talk about that. Isn't it? Did you want to try and get Alan involved at any point to kind of just... Yeah, but that was... On story? this book, that's not my job. No. I mean, I would have loved to. But, I mean, look, that's for, that's for Dave to try yeah. and do. As far as I understand it, what Dave could do was get Alan's blessing on this... Mm -hmm. To run because there's all kinds of you know Alan's notes about 
do that's this, do what, that. That's and, what I mean. Um, and he did, and he basically said, "Go ahead, but I'm not. Don't put my name on this on the front, certainly, and I'm not going to write anything for you mm-hmm. than other than what we did when we first did it." Would it's be, just I mean, so strange and sad. I mean, we we talk about Watchmen as a book, um, as a, as a comic, as a a landmark of um, design of itself, with Dave very much being a uh, uh, an architect of this. The, like I say, the design structure of the book uh, in the the nine panel grids, the all of that. What was the conversation between you and Dave when you were putting this together? I mean, what, was there any input from Dave uh, when you were kind of designing this what was I think I was was almost storyboarding the whole thing out and then saying what do you what do you think I mean we thought we should go you know issue by issue I mean starting with the 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 initial concept for it and and what have you and um, but things like um, DC wouldn't let us we had a whole page on the original Charlton characters that they were all based on, and they wouldn't let us run it. And it's like, oh, come on, like, yeah. <laughs> but fights. you know, the but fights. you you can't, yeah, you can't fight that. Fair enough. Battle. Uh, right, we'll uh, continue with any other questions. We have. Uh, well, I guess it's a dumb one, and maybe it shows no. I don't know. I fact, but, but you're saying all of the characters in this did originate in kind of like nineteen forty superhero. Yeah. Well, sixties, mm-hmm. Carlton, it's Carlton characters. So I mean, the, so the one. Know about them, then? Well, no, the no, one no, that every, the one that everybody, everybody, the one that fandom is most familiar with is the question. Oh, is 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 I was going is, 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 to go Captain Atom. Uh, the question is yeah. Rorschach. But there were the other ones that I didn't really know. I mean, they're very obscure, they're mostly very obscure characters. I see, so it wasn't literally taken, they were kind of... No, no, no. No, the, the, oh, no yeah, yeah, I mean, the idea was that they had gotten the licenses to these characters and they wanted to... Uh, oh, Alan had come to, uh, to DC with the idea of using them as the jumping-off point of a re-examination of what a superhero is, putting them into the real world, at which point DC looked at the... Uh, the, what he was intending to do with them, and said, "Well, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen." Um, so they basically just transposed and kind of created doppelgangers of. So I mean, yeah, that cat. You were, we went with Rorschach. For myself, it was um, Captain Atom, um, which they then transposed into Doctor Manhattan. So was, and the was, Blue Beetle was was uh, what's name? Night, Night Owl. Night Owl. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. <coughs> You have a question over here. Go for it, sir. Are you having any input with the the new up and coming HBO series with Watchmen? They hang on my every <laughs> I can't utter a sentence with that. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. I mean, really, my involvement is strictly this strictly this book. Oh wait, no, that's not true. I did design when they did um, the um, after Watchmen series. I designed oh, all those. those. Before Watchmen? Before Watchmen. I designed all those covers. But, but again, that oh, was... I didn't know. It was... That was... They designed themselves. I mean, it's like, why, do you even, why are you even hiring me? <laughs> make any sense. But I did think Dearly Departed Darwin Cook did a, did a terrific job with that. It was a thankless task, but I think what he, what he did do was terrific. I think with those books, I mean, they were 
given quite a kicking when they came out. But I think the further we get away from it, uh, from that release date, and uh, looking back at those books, we appreciate them more, I think. But it's, you're right, it was such a tough task to actually say, okay, you're going to write a Watchmen book, or you're going to well, draw and a Watchmen book. And draw it. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Actually, I do have another question. Go for it. How much do you think the loss of Mark Chirillo from DC will have a negative impact on DC as a company? I will be perfectly honest and say I learned of this about three hours ago. That's how out of the loop I am. Um, I think it's awful, but that's my initial that's my initial reaction. I I was shocked. I I did not know. I would have. I mean, and I what I look at Newsarama every day like everybody else. I. If it was reported there, I didn't see it. It was mentioned they weren't allowed to comment, but people that were let go from the company, there's still a. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he had to sign all sorts of things. But I think it, as a concept, I think it's terrible. I think it's awful. Any question at the back, sir? Yeah, uh, do you have a particular creative process when you come up with an initial concept for a piece of design? I mean, is is that a particular uh, process that you go through each time you come up with that initial concept? Uh, The only answer to that is that every problem is unique and you have to regardless of what it is and you you have to address what the the issues with any specific problem are and then work from from there um one i mean one of the things that they tried to imprint on our minds in school was that the solution lies within defining the problem which i know sounds very sort of i don't know what but um buddhist or i don't know uh but i do think i think it's true where do you feel uh, comic book design is at the moment um, in terms of when you do go into a comic book shop and you look at the, the racks now, do you see a kind of uniformity that's flattening no, things I, out? No, I would say the opposite. I'd say it's absolutely all over the place. <laughs> and I think that's good. Right. I think that's good. I do think that... You, is there any company that's you sort of standing think like at the moment? Everything's been done. Like everything's been done, and then I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes they surprise you. But um, is there any I, companies out there that are, are doing exciting design work that you're really like excited about? I mean, I have yet to see scratch and sniff, but I, you know, <laughs> I think that would be the next. That would be the next way to go. Yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, I personally. And there was that period, not that long ago, with the whole lenticular covers mm. thing, which, yeah, there you go. That's pretty much, I think, you share it. I mean, the similar. Thing, you know, you have to give them um, credit for trying, but I think the thing with lenticular is it's an interactive thing. It's not a... Passive. It's not a thing where you, like, you look over at that, mm. it's like, ooh... That looks cool. Let's try it because all the images tend to blend in together. Mm. Unless it all, and I've thought about this. Like if you're going to do a reticular something or other, it actually has to be relatively stationary, like a circle or a wheel. That if you, then it starts to turn. But other than that, it's, you still have the strong graphic. Mm. Fair enough. Go for it, John. Do you think there's uh, more of a design aesthetic in? your work at, say, Random House in just the normal book publishing side, because you were saying about, you know, you're asking about comic books, and I would argue that 
the major two, I think mo the majority of it is fairly modernised in terms of the imagery. You know, you go and look at a comics rack and it's a bit, you know, just uh, similar to like lifestyle magazines or something else. They all have a similar aesthetic. Mm. I think know, that's what I was meaning by the flattening <laughs> of the yeah. design. And, yeah. But I often find, yeah, with just normal book publishing, it seems to be everything, everything's on the table. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, have you got an opinion on that something? Whereas with something like the comic book industry, it's not necessarily everything's on the table. If you're doing a superhero comic, generally, it's got to look a certain way. You know, an in-your-face hmm. sort of cover, brightly coloured, generally, you know, similar to, like, say, lifestyle magazines or, or film posters even, where you've got, you know, it's interest. the film posters are only interesting when it's the teaser poster. <laughs> then it's blanded out as soon as you get to the... Um, the, the actual colour, yeah. because it's always just heads right. on, a, on a poster looking one way or the other, and that's it. Have you got, do you think that's true? <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah. It sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was the yeah. Can I just say that was the best Brian Azzarillo impression I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Not having never met him, I'll take your word on it. I think what, you know, what's been interesting, I guess, is the, the proliferation, it can only be said, of, of, quote, variant covers. And so that seems to be where they take their chances yeah. because, and I've designed a bunch of variant covers now, and the, the, the brief becomes, you know, like, go for it, have fun. Mm -hmm. Well, why on earth wouldn't that be the brief? For the normal comic, but but it's it's not. It's like mm, no, we've got to have you know, it's got to conform in a certain way. So but what, what you said it was exactly true when Watchmen came out. Just one of the reasons it was different because mm. they designed it to look completely different. Absolutely, hero yeah, comics to, to, to stand out. Yeah, yeah, yeah the logo on the side. Well, yeah. I found it interesting that the design of the posters tied. I mean, you were talking about that change. You get that. A poster that gets people's attention, hmm. and then the actual um, comic itself turns into a kind of a muck comic. Hmm. Okay, that was really harsh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but with Watchmen, it did continue from that initial hit, that initial pitch uh, when you came to the comic, and I, I found just that that const uh, that um, that through line, that design aesthetic that just was locked. And worked, I think, was for everything. For everything, uh, yes, because um, at the at the same time, I uh, there was Batman Year One, which I believe is probably the best Batman story of all time in terms of writing and and what and was he twenty four, twenty three? Who Maz Kelly? Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember the ads for that. Which looked completely different, yeah. and and Mazzucchelli clearly hadn't figured out how Batman was actually going to look, so he actually looked more Golden Age with the biggest, bigger ears. Typography was completely different. I was still totally excited for it, but then when the actual comic came out, it's like it looks completely different. Mm. Whereas <coughs> Watchmen, you're absolutely right. It, it was, I mean, I hate the B word, and it didn't exist back then, but it was branded. I mean, it was. And it was branded brilliantly so. There was no mistaking like what it was. Where it sat on the shelf. Yeah. I'm finding it. Yeah. Very cool. Hmm. Any other? Oh, yeah. Go for it. Can I just ask, um, what did you think of Shrewsbury? Did you enjoy it? 
That's usually a, the first question of a panel host. Thanks. No, um, it's, it's, yes. I've never been invited to a comics festival in Europe or the UK or anywhere. So this is for me. This is a first, and it's it's great. It's really really charming, and there's wonderful people here. And how long yeah. are you getting to stop? Well, I'm I'm uh, just through today and tomorrow, and then I'm going to go down to London for a couple of days. So you got tomorrow to explore. Yeah. Excellent stuff. <laughs> um, any other questions that we can dive in? Oh, we have right How at the back. modern technology changed the design process or, or results Uh, very good question. Um, the, ha, how has modern technology affected um, the design process? Um, in, in, to me, in purely mechanical ways, because uh, I was still in, when I was in college, uh, learning graphic design, it was all still by hand. And, and, and because I then went into book publishing, it remained by hand for a good five, six years because they were very slow to adapt to the, to the new technology. I consider myself very fortunate um, because you, you, you think a different way when you have to, when you have to do it your, more yourself. But, I, but the, I mean, the vast improvement, and this is going to sound very uh, not interesting at all, is, is typesetting um, because before, if you were going to typeset something and, and uh, you'd go through a photo lettering service and it was like a three-day process. You would spec out your type, you would, and this is as a, as a uh, employee of Random House, they'd pick it up, they would work on it for a day, and then they'd bring it back to you in the form of what we call photostats. And then if, if you spec'd it wrong, as in ooh, that's, that was the wrong point size or it's lettering space. Then you had a couple options, but again, you'd have to build another day into it to chop it up, wax it, chop it up, move it around, put it on a piece of board, have it shot again, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, but, so in terms of putting things together, uh, it's utterly like lightning, which is great, but, um, it's, but again, it, the computer's not going to create anything for you. It's it's not going. It's just you're just going to. It's just going to enable you to do what you want to do much much faster. But it, it can't. It can't think of, of a design for you or a concept or whatever. And and when students ask me, you know, like, what's your advice for graphic design students? Now um, the advice is basically. If you if you can develop your what we call conceptual thinking, so that it's very strong, uh, then if you can get a job, whether it's freelance as an artist or working for a company or whatever, where you are uh, valued for your ideas, that it's that's job security. Because I don't care what they say about AI, it's not going to be able to decide. Gee, the Watchman lettering should go on its side, and then the the image should be the first panel. No, 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 no. That that that's what a creative person does. Do you Machines think can't the, do that with the introduction of modern technology? Like you say, it increases. It allows you to speed up the process. That's, oh, that's that's God, fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But does that take away sometimes from the ability to just take a breath and? 
really kind of think um, about the design that you're doing? Uh, does it kind of accelerate to the bro the process too quick? Well, it can. I think I think that you know the the danger is that then everybody gets used to the idea that they can see something in ten minutes, um, and I remember the the great fear uh, for us at work was that the author would want to come in and sit next to you and have fun. <laughs> Let's have fun. What would it look like in red? What would it look like in blue? Blah, 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 blah. Like, boom. <laughs> uh, so, and every now and then that would happen. But, um, but for the most part, it, it doesn't. Um, I think it all depends on what your deadlines are. Okay. And so in book publishing, our deadlines are still reasonable so if I'm stuck if I have design block or whatever you want to call it I can just le let something be for a day or two days or a week hmm. if I have that luxury and work on something else and your I do believe your subconscious is working on it in the, in the meantime so that's actually a question I like to, to I like to ask I'll, I'll get to the questions very quickly I like to ask this of uh, artists and especially comic artists <coughs> um, in the idea of uh, a nine to five regimen, the mm. ability to kind of like, okay, this is work time. Do you have that, or is it a case of you can work at any point, mm. day and night, and just? Uh, I'm more of the day and night. Just any time. Uh, the muse takes you. Yes, although, but I have an office that I go to, but that, that there's nobody cracking the whip in terms of like you have to be there from nine to five. Okay. It's more about you need to get your work done when it needs to be done and it needs to be terrific so um that's, no pressure yeah but th but that's okay i mean yeah fair th I, I like it that way cool we'll go oh wow okay <laughs> the hands are going up left right sunday go for it uh, no 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 yes we'll okay. start we'll go from okay. left to right have you done much um design work outside of publishing like product design or signage and that kind of thing and if not is there anything that you'd like to try and have a go at? Uh, I've, I've done some movie poster work, some recording industry work. I designed a watch for Swatch. Um, but most, most of it's book covers. And most of the time, if I'm doing a freelance job for, say, like the movie industry, it just makes me appreciate what I actually do <laughs> because they, they're crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, crazy. And, and it's just like, it pays really well, rarely sees the light of day in any way that you would want. Um, but your name's not going on it, so that's all right. Uh, and I, you know, sometimes things turn out good. But um, I don't know, I've written... Uh, I also am a writer, and I've written several novels, and it would be I it would be great to see them, you know, come to life, come to life on screen, and you know, people have talked about that and blah blah blah, but uh, it did, you know, we'll see. Okay, we'll do the, a couple of questions, and then uh, yeah, we will uh, wrap things up. I think we had uh, this gentleman here. Go for it. Yeah, you mentioned Peter Saville earlier. I mean, how significant do you think he's been in terms of the influence on current graphic design? I, you know what, I wouldn't be able to say. I have no idea. Um, and and I, I, it's not like I've even been able to like keep up with like what he's doing now. I don't know. I just know, 
I don't know. You'd have to ask a 21-year-old, you know. And it's, it's, when I say that name, whether it's in the States or wherever, people either know exactly who I'm talking about or I have no idea. But I'm sure I'm the same way, you know. Uh, yes, go for a sec. Uh, do you find the graphics industry is still doing well, or is the internet cheapening the imagery now? Do you think your industry is going to continue to do well, or is everyone expecting your kind of work to be cheaper and cheaper because the internet gives you people access to just design it themselves or get someone else to do it cheaper, basically? It's a we very, a nice very positive question. Very, to no, it's a very, very, very good question. I And I'm not quite sure how to answer it i think it depends on the on the client and what they value uh and if they if they understand and again these are very broad terms if they understand good design and they want good design then they're then they're they're not going to go to the local coffee shop and say i need a business card but you know if people want to do that then then do it i think you know there's examples of graphic design everywhere in this room, some of which are artful, other which, others of which are com just totally <laughs> utilitarian. Mm -hmm. How do I get out of here? Yeah. There. Fine. So I thought That's you were fine. Four, then. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, so it's, you know, I mean, that's kind of, I think, the great thing of graphic design. It spans so many different kinds of visual information, whether it's purely utilitarian to something that hopefully is artful but is still graphic design, um, i.e. a combination of words and pictures that are trying to uh, inspire a new idea in your head about something. Um, but it's, it's, it's a very good question um, because I think, you know, some kid will have like 10 typefaces on their phone to, yo, let's do Ariel. And but 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 it's like yeah, but Ariel's really ugly. Like, did you ever consider like the thousands of other typefaces and what they mean and where they came from and how to, how to value them? And and I I still think that that's one thing that that school is 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 valuable for is to teach you about this stuff. And I think learning about the history of graphic design is very very important. You know. Um, okay. I think the one last question I wanted to uh, ask is. Uh, just to finish up on, what do you think of when I say the words Comic Sans? <laughs> God. Uh, yes! <laughs> and that's where we'll yeah, finish. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. Ladies and gents, it's been fascinating to talk to the man, and it's been a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, will you put your hands together for Mr. Chip?